This is the Guys With Cancer podcast, the podcast you never knew you needed. This is the podcast by Guys With Cancer, for Guys With Cancer, and everyone else. Here are your hosts, Rudy Fishman and Jeff Nerman. Welcome to the second episode of Guys With Cancer, the podcast. Today's topic, we want to talk a little bit about cancer language verbiage slash etiquette, just how to talk to somebody who has cancer. How would you put it, Jeff? I think that that's, you, you phrase it excellently, uh, as usual. And I, and I was just thinking about going to have this whole series of essential podcasts that everyone with cancer will need to, to listen to and memorize. But, but it makes sense, I think, in, in our early episode here, number two, to talk about the, the terminology and how to use it and not use it because there's really a lot to learn. I, I know myself, I, I, I had no idea about a lot of cancer terms and sensitivity around a lot of them, and I'm still learning, <laughs> even though I've had cancer for over six years. So I think there's a lot can rub people the wrong way. So it's, it's, it's essential to understand not only what we're talking about when we talk about different cancer topics, but also how, 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 not to, how not to talk about some of these topics. So. Cancer is a pretty complicated thing. I mean, most people think of cancer as a single disease when it's actually really just a blanket term for a whole lot of the diseases. And especially the first year, the person who's experiencing it, it's, 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 a, it's very overwhelming. They're, they're dealing with a lot of psychological things. And I think really just sort of the general rule for most people, if you have a friend or a loved one who's undergoing a cancer diagnosis is a lot of times it's just to not really say anything other than just being there, treating them like a, as you did before, obviously maybe with a little bit more empathy. We're both pretty active in the social media uh, cancer communities and there's a lot of hot button terms and, and phrases that set people off that seem rather innocuous to the uninitiated into the cancer world. That's also why I think this is so important is because I think for hopefully the vast numbers of people who are listening who themselves are fortunate enough not to have cancer but care about somebody who does, this will hopefully educate them about ways that they can comfortably talk with and empathize with people with cancer. But that that being said, of course, you know, everybody's different. I think you and I are probably fairly easy going when it comes to usage of different terms. I mean, I personally, it's whatever works for them, but there are a lot of other people who are quite sensitive and I think it's within their purview to be to be sensitive about it. Yeah, kind of what we're getting at is there's certain just general terms, whether you're an endurer, survivor, a warrior, or not a warrior. People have different sort of attitudes about that, depending on certain terminology is popular within certain types of cancers and not so popular in other types of cancers. I, I was just going to say I'd like to, to, to share a brief anecdote uh, that illustrates how uninformed even I was so here I was five years into being diagnosed with cancer, and I finally had to start chemo. And a couple of rounds into my chemotherapy at my infusion center, I don't know if this was part of a national thing or what, but they were 
celebrating, and I'm going to use that term loosely, celebrating Cancer Survivors Week at the Infusion Center. And I was, I was very confused by this because I was not aware at the time that the term survivor, that that can be a really, really touchy term with a lot of people. I, I had no idea that it's used to mean basically anyone from the point that they're first diagnosed with cancer until, <laughs> until they're no longer with us. And, and that includes you're still a survivor whether you've been cured, whether you're in remission, or whatever. And, but I had no idea because I was thinking of it from a, just a common, sensical layperson type of perspective, which is that, well, I'm not a survivor. I have an incurable form of cancer. How, how am I? Nobody here at the infusion center has survived cancer. If we had survived it in, in the, my way of thinking about it, meaning that we had you know, been cured of it, then we wouldn't be here. So I, I was very perplexed by that whole thing. I use the term endure because, like, cancer is going to cancer. You know, it's going to do what it's going to do. And I have some control. I can, I, I can choose different doctors or different elect or not elect to do certain types of treatments and things like that. But ultimately, I mean, science is science. The way it works and all cancers are sort of different. I really am coming to like uh, the brilliant Molly Marcos term, which is still liver, just yes, because I like there's that, that lot, sort of, yeah. you can take it either two ways, or I'm still alive, and what are you going to do about it? Sorry to disappoint you, but I'm still here. <laughs> or it somehow has an onus of guilt of, sorry, I'm still alive. <laughs> I like that, I like the humor, which is also something else. I mean, some people can kind of be lighthearted and prefer to be lighthearted and have a sense of humor about the cancer, whereas some people like to be very, or prefer to be very serious about it. So that kind of goes back to the comment that I made before. Sometimes it's best just not to say anything if you're unsure of what to say, because me, I know I'm kind of weird, but I, I like it when having brain cancer, I like it when friends make jokes about how I have brain fog or, or whatever, or I have bad balance or whatever, where it's some other people aren't going to take that so well. I think with you, maybe there are some jokes that you like about dying someday. Yeah, that's my favorite genre of jokes is cancer death jokes. But there's nothing funny about cancer inherently, obviously, but I think that a lot of us like you and like me and a lot, and a lot of people out there, I think it's just a way we deal with the frustrations and the sort of overwhelming nature of cancer is, is by, you know, poking fun at it or, or, or even laughing about things that happen to us, which is not to say that there aren't moments when <laughs> I, I am terrified, but, but I try to limit those, obviously, and, and I think part of the way I'm able to do that is by laughing about the things that, that don't seem quite as, as, as toxic. That's a nice segue into sort of the first big term, because uh, I know that's some people have different reactions to the idea of being a cancer warrior or fighter versus not. I and mean, I get why people, some people like that, and I get why some people don't like it. Maybe we should just talk a little bit about that, because that's the most common I've heard a bazillion times is, you're going to beat this, you're going to keep on fighting, uh, you're a warrior, keep on trooping on, and I just don't see it personally in that 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 sort of light and I appreciate the support and the intention behind when people say that but it's not necessarily the way I personally approach it but other people they love the idea of 
being a warrior and the sort of a more militaristic battle mission you're on to conquer this thing that's trying to redefine who you are as a person. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, well, first of all, I think, I don't know if we can speak for people in other countries, but in this country, of course, we, we love our militarism. But I do think on a, on a serious psychological level, I think it, it has a, this, this notion of fighting or battling or being a warrior has a element, an element of, of empowerment for some people, that they feel like they're they're doing something really concrete yeah and 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 i but i agree with you because the way i see is really my body is essentially fighting against me or my 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 mind my wishes really the only thing that's sort of fighting back is the chemo or the radiation or the the surgery i'm at battleground i'm kind of like the antietam or verdun of the cancer battle you just sort of hear and you know the two sides is duking it out I don't really feel like I'm I'm really much of a warring party. And you're just hoping not to be a casualty of war, and that's kind of the way I I feel. I feel like I'm not directly involved in the battle, but I think some personalities they like to think of themselves as as being involved. Obviously, to have a completely passive attitude was probably quite unhealthy in, in the sense that you, if you feel completely victimized by the entire experience and that you have no control the reality is you don't really unfortunately have too much control but but like you're saying you can push yourself to do your exercises or to get out of bed or (laughs) probably the most active thing i do other than exercise to combat cancer to use a a warlike verb is taking my pills when i'm supposed to you work so i mean that's something too i mean we can put working quotation mark. <laughs> right, yes, that's yeah, definitely in quotation mark. <laughs> but it, it's something. I mean, it's really important to keep yourself busy and occupied and feeling productive, whether it's physically or mentally or both, not to be a downer. I had a, a friend pass away over the weekend, but he had largely lost the will to live, I think, quite a few months ago, and he was very much a person who wasn't getting out of bed, who wasn't doing much with his time besides sleeping and sleeping is important but it's also important to do other things with your time when you feel good i think that helps keep you alive and for myself and i'm sure for you having kids is a big motivator a spouse or partner is a big motivator you want to be there for them but i think when you stop caring about those around you even if you have a very small support group it's still important to keep active yes and maybe this is a good segue into people who care about those of us with cancer when when they're trying to boost our spirits or whatever you know sometimes speak in in phrases that are certainly well-intentioned but are not necessarily so well received sometimes I, I think that in an attempt to bolster our spirits or to try to keep us from dwelling on the negative or what could even be the the reality they'll say overly optimistic things and and i and i don't know your experience Rudy, but i usually think that falls on on at best on deaf ears if not causes me to bristle a little bit yeah i mean i think that the, the good example is my wife tends to be i think very encouraging but under also understanding 
may be too understanding of some of the physical limitations and kind of gives me more excuses to lay in bed and lay around, whereas my mother, she's like, come on, get up. <laughs> you got to do this now. you got to get out of bed. Let's wake up. Open up all the blinds, and that's not great either. So you have to find a good balance. Do you think that you're saying to somebody to be encouraging often aren't interpreted by the person you're telling them to quite the same way as you think they are being interpreted by them? Sometimes people will say, you'll be fine. <laughs> oh, 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 really? Oh, I didn't know you were an oncologist. Even if, if your oncologist tells you that, they don't even know. Lots yeah, I mean, colleges will never say, even if you are have, are free of cancer system, they never ask say you're cured just because they know that there's a chance it could reoccur, it could come back in a different form because there's so much that's not known about cancer. Um, and not to mention the fact that even if you're eventually fine six months down the road, there's going to be good days and bad days between them. And somebody who's experiencing the wonderful cancer journey, um, they aren't necessarily thinking six months down the road. I mean, I think they do to a certain extent, but on a day-to-day basis, they're more thinking about how do I feel right now? How do I feel? How will I feel in three days from now? They're not thinking about six months from now. They may in the back of their mind be saying, yeah, it's going to be better in six months. And when I look back, I'll laugh at that time I had whatever, I had prostate cancer. Ha, 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 ha. It was so horrible. And and I think part of the problem is even though, again, I, I don't want people who are listening to this to feel that they're so inhibited in what they can say that they totally avoid their friends and family members who have cancer. Because that, I don't know about you, Rudy, but that's happened to me. People, yeah, people, I mean, and, I, and I, I understand that, I think, because it's so terrifying to everyone. Just the, just the word just scares people to death. That, and, and I think people are so worried. But anyway, it, I don't... It's like kind of going back to the idea of not sometimes it's better not to say anything than to, to not know what to say, but that doesn't mean you should be out of the person's life. Like I'm, I'm still relative cancer newbie, just a little over a year past my diagnosis, but I've had a couple of very close friends who I reached out to just because I hadn't heard from them, and I was, like, hey man, what's going on? How, how are you doing or whatever? And they, and they apologize for not being in touch, and they admit that they just don't know what to say. And I'm saying, well, you don't have to say anything. Just, just be my friend. Just say you're thinking of me. Just say um, you're rooting for me. I'm sorry you feel nauseous today or you're really tired. And that's it. And the rest is just be, be a friend. Treat him just like a human because so much of the cancer experiences, as you're sort of alluding to, is very lonely, but it's also very dehumanizing, I think, yeah. to certain things where you yeah. lose a sense of your own identity. Who am I? Am I cancer or am I not cancer? And I think the key to ultimate success, however you define that, in battling cancer, there's a fighting uh, verbiage again, is your attitude and reminding yourself that you are still a human, you still exist. Yeah, well, and I also think that, again, not to gender stereotype, but I think it can be, I think, really hard for people who care about men who have cancer because I think men, again, because we tend to be, to be, somewhat stoical about our feelings that I think it's hard sometimes for friends to know how to react because they don't know what you're thinking because you're not communicating so it's a really a challenging dynamic but I think to your point just being a friend listening is a great 
saying, even though if we're not saying so much sometimes, but even just talking about other things, I think just letting people with cancer know that you are there is a world of benefit. Yeah, I mean, it's a big thing. I kind of, the, I had a friend that came over and would just sit with me. We wouldn't talk. It was kind of heavy. It was the worst trying to, at least at that time, was trying to have a conversation with somebody. Just because my speech was all slurry. I was super tired. I didn't even really want to be awake. But just having a friend in the room just sitting there with me as I slept, he was just on his phone the whole time doing whatever. But it was nice occasionally just being able to lean over, say a few words, and then move on. Or even just a text, a friendly text from somebody, that an acquaintance, just saying, hey, just checking out how you're doing today thinking of you or whatever it was nice i didn't necessarily have to respond back other than a, a like or a a thank you or whatever but it kind of reminds me one of the terms that this is something that kind of came up in a couple of facebook closed groups one of them recently posted a sort of a demographic chart of the breakdown of people who were in it and it was overwhelmingly female it was, it was 87 percent female to like 13 percent male and I don't know what the exact statistics are, but you know, I imagine that they're probably in the real world in terms of men versus women who has cancer, it's probably much closer to 50-50. So I think that tells you in itself, guys are a little bit more apprehensive to talk about it or seek out others to talk about it with. There's and that. that's why we're um, here. Yeah, and that's why we're here. Guys and cancer. that's why we have this extremely <laughs> helpful podcast. Well, maybe we should talk for a minute or two just about some of the sort of the etiquette that, that you mentioned at the outset. But I, I would just like to, before we move on, to just say one or two other phrases that I, I think aren't really particularly well-received as a general matter. Like one that I know a lot of people dislike, and I have to include myself in this group, is that the expression the universe doesn't give you more than you can handle I, i'm not mm-hmm. really a big i'm not really a big fan of that i, I don't i yeah I, 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 often, of... I often feel like maybe maybe the universe has miscalculated <laughs> because it doesn't feel like more uh somebody better check the math on this because it, it seems like an awful lot some days it's like i, I know a number of parents of kids with disabilities a, a sort of a popular platitude that is used that people that I know that is kind of a trigger for parents of kids with disabilities is that you were given a child with issues because you God knew that you were strong enough to handle it and right, right. I know a number of parents are like no I'm strong enough to handle it not because God thought that I was strong enough to handle it I'm, I'm strong enough to handle it because I have no choice right. so I have to be strong enough to handle it just because I care about this person who is my offspring and so that's why it's kind of a a sensitive hot button issue is please don't tell me that I'm going to be fine and I'm strong enough to handle it because yeah sure some days I am but uh, other days I'm not strong enough to handle it at all it's tough it's a tough road I know I know it's meant to be inspiring or to to make you feel as though you you can manage it but it really I don't think unfortunately has that that effect on most people what are some other things that We've heard people, kind of, other cancer people, kind of complain about. Well, one, see, now I, I doubt you get this, which it's not a competition, but lots of times you'll be told, well, you have the good cancer. Yeah. Wait a minute. Spoiler alert. 
all cancers are awful. There is no such thing as good cancers. One thing that is quote-unquote good about your cancer is that it doesn't necessarily impact you physically in a lot of ways, but that doesn't mean that doesn't impact you psychologically. I was weak psychologically before I got cancer, so I, I always think cancer was not a good fit for me because I was already like a, like a nervous Nelly, and so having <laughs> cancer really did nothing to help that. But, but yeah, so you're, I, saying that you, you're saying that maybe God didn't choose you to get cancer because you could handle it? Right. I, yeah, I'm saying that maybe, maybe God miscalculated, and I, and I know God's infallible, but I'm pretty sure that all cancers can have the ability to kill a person. So I don't really think yeah. that's a good one. One of the other ones I don't I don't care for. And, of course, this this really hits close to home because, like I said, I'm, I'm by nature one of my top skills is worrying is when people tell me, oh, don't worry. It, it minimizes the very real concerns that cancer causes one to have. You know, somebody's just, it's just dismissive. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot to worry about. I have a friend in Boston who is a therapist and a very good one at that, but she blogs and talks a lot about on social media about how the idea of don't worry, be happy is, is kind of ludicrous. Part of being able to deal adequately with your situation is being realistic. So it's, it's okay to, to feel overwhelmed, to be having anxiety, to be fearful. And, and recognizing that is part of dealing with it, just like totally for us having a sense of humor is part of dealing with our pain. It adds quality of life, at least for us. Maybe it won't for everybody, but it's important, I think, regardless of whether or not you have a sense of humor, to be realistic about your situation. And, and part of dealing with it is anybody who has cancer is going to have their bad days. And it's okay to just let your friend or loved one who's having a bad day and being negative, let them be negative. They know that they need to refocus on the big picture, but it's just part of the process of going through it. Is There's good days, there's bad days. Some people get very emotional and tearful. I got very angry at certain points over the last year, partially because of some steroids I was on, but also just because that was my way of dealing with the frustration of not being able to put my kids to bed or or whatever, fortunately, I'm in a much better place now. It is part of the, the, the wonderful journey that's full of all sorts of surprises, good and bad, mostly bad, but there's some good things that happen. So. Yes, there are some good things. There definitely are. There's a lot of unsolicited advice giving that I've encountered, and as a general, as a general proposition, I'd have to say nobody wants that. Yeah, I mean, even if the person personally is into, um, trust me, they've done their research, they've made kind of their minds up on their own, they don't want suggestions on, hey, this diet worked for my whatever. I mean, if the person going through it is into it, cool, but trust me, they've already kind of figured it out on their own. And then most of the time, it's usually something that, I mean, there's so many, so much stuff that's scary about cancer in itself that there's so much thought that's gone into whatever the person has said that chooses the proper treatment of themselves that change of course just really isn't something that somebody is psychologically able to deal with because you're already questioning your mortality and if you've made the right decision health-wise for yourself. And it's not, it's not helpful to have people essentially second-guessing what you've done, particularly yeah. when they, <laughs> they're not experts. You're saying that Doug Q42 knows more than my doctor who went to school for eight years and 
finding research paper after research paper and done clinical studies and deals with my particular, t- particular type of cancer every single day of her life for the last 30 years. I don't know. Like I wouldn't tell somebody who decided they didn't want to pursue chemo even if that's the conventional treatment here for a particular type of cancer. That if they didn't want to do it, I wouldn't say to them, well, I think you're making a huge mistake. I mean, I might think that, but I think I think it's strange to assume that anybody makes a decision about anything cancer-related just sort of on a whim. I mean, I guess there are people who do do that, but I think most of us take it fairly seriously because, not to be overly dramatic about it, but it is sort of your life on the line. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. it seems somewhat important. Maybe we should just conclude by saying it would be great to hear from our listeners if there are things that they have heard said to them that they found to be sort of difficult to digest or whatever, things that we haven't talked about. Yeah, absolutely. I can certainly reach us through our website, guyswithcancer.com. I know it's hard to remember. You can hit us up through Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, uh, Guys With Cancer. I think it's actually at Guys With Cancer, so that's pretty easy as well. And just hit us up and let us know what you're thinking. Final thought, for me personally, and everybody's different, I'm just not, I'm not a fan of tough love. I feel bad enough that it's irritating. I mean, I know where it's coming from, but if somebody's trying to be encouraging but doing it kind of in like, come on, let's go, 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 go. You got to get up. You got you to gotta go on your walk today. You got to do X, Y, and Z. It makes me more resentful than, than anything. Yeah, me too. So, me too. It's been an interesting topic. Uh, we could probably go on forever with cancer etiquette and things to say or not say, but feel free to reach out to us and be talking to you real soon about a whole host of other things because trust me, we never shut up. We never run out of things to say. That's true. Thanks for listening to Guys with Cancer. Want more? Find Guys with Cancer on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.